Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 47th program in this series. In this program, I'm going to start out in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verse 31. I spoke about this verse in the previous program, but I would like to spend a little bit more time on the content that is found in this verse. This is a conversation that was happening between the man who was born blind, healed by Jesus, and is having a conversation with the Pharisees in the temple. They are evaluating him to decide if they are going to cast him out of the temple and by default cast him out of the synagogue as well. They're trying to determine if this man is going to be a believer in Jesus as the Messiah or not. They have already expressed that they are unwilling to acknowledge that Jesus healed this man of his blindness, because if they were to acknowledge that, then they would have to acknowledge by their own beliefs that Jesus is the Messiah, because they taught that the only person who could heal this man would be the Messiah. This man suffered under a divine judgment of God. It would require the divine presence of God to set him free from the divine judgment. The only person who could qualify for this as a proper representative of God would be the Messiah. And in this case, it was God himself who manifested in the flesh as Jesus and performed this miracle effectively, setting the man free from the divine judgment that they believed that he was under. He may have been under a divine judgment. He may not have been under a divine judgment. We don't know. We don't have enough information. But this was the belief of the religious leaders at this time. Now, this, of course, would be a contradiction. For them to reject Jesus as the Messiah would be against their own beliefs that the Messiah would heal the man of his blindness. So the man who was healed confronted them with this contradiction, and they did not respond positively to this exposure of their contradictory beliefs. The way that they were handling this situation was by denying reality. They were simply refusing to accept what was real. They were not willing to accept the truth that Jesus had healed this man and that by their own beliefs, this would qualify him as being the Messiah. So this resulted in some frustration, some frustration between these people, and the conflict that erupted was shown by the man who was healed telling the Pharisees what he really believed, what he thought was true. And this is where I would like to start in this program, is in verse 31, when he said, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, 
he hears him. Now, what the man says is he says, we know. He makes this assertion as if everyone obviously believes this. The Pharisees would agree to this. The man agrees to this, that there is some potential common ground on this issue. First of all, he says, we know, as if this is for certain, that God does not hear sinners. Now, what I would like to do is spend a little bit of time on the content of what he says. He says that God does not hear sinners, but does God hear sinners? Is this true? He says, we know, as if this is self-evident, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is true. Everyone there could have believed this, and if it's not true, then everyone there does not believe the truth. Everyone there believes something that is not true, and they are all together on this. There's no one who is going to be present it appears, to challenge this particular position. Therefore, it could be perceived as simply being self-evident. Of course, we know. Of course, this is true. Absolutely. But you have to think about this for a minute. Is there anyone, anyone whatsoever, who is not a sinner? Has there ever been any person Who did not sin? And the answer, of course, is no, with the exception of Jesus. But this is something that's important to recognize. Everyone would qualify under the definition of being a sinner. So does that mean that God has never heard anyone? And of course that's not correct. Of course that's not true. We have an abundance of examples of God hearing people who were clearly sinners. If you consider the present circumstances, the ministry of the Lord Jesus, if you consider those circumstances, Jesus did listen to a lot of people who were sinners. He spent a lot of time with people who were sinners, and he was God manifested in the flesh. So does God hear sinners, or does he not hear sinners? I would say that if he doesn't hear sinners, he doesn't hear from anyone. Therefore, it should be self-evident that this statement is not correct. It's not correct. Everyone is a sinner if we identify a person by the sins that they commit. And there are an abundance of these people. Now, some people might suggest that now we are in the new covenant. If a person is born again by the Spirit of God, then they are a new creation. They are now a child of God. They are not to be identified as a sinner. They are to be identified as a saint. We could certainly develop a conversation along those lines. But that does not mean that God will not hear people who do not believe in him or who do not yet believe in him. He could very well hear them. He is not required to ignore anyone and everyone. He's not required to ignore anyone who is not willing to submit and surrender to the new covenant. He is under no obligation to make sure that he doesn't hear from anybody. And so I just wanted to spend some time 
explaining this issue because the man says, we know that God does not hear sinners, and I'm going to tell you that I don't think that he's correct. I really do believe that God has always heard sinners. He has always been willing to hear sinners. I do think that he has discriminated in the sense that he has not necessarily heard all sinners, but that there have been some. And if there are some, then we cannot make an absolute statement. This statement that this man made would not be correct. He goes on and he says, But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him, referring to God being the one who will hear a person who worships God and does his will. Well, in order to identify a person who worships God, who is a worshiper of God, there needs to be a definition of that word. We need to have a better understanding of exactly what that means. Now, in this conversation, I think it is clear that this man would establish a definition for worship according to the Mosaic Law. Because in the Mosaic Law, you are required to do things and you are not to do other things. And so when he uses this conjunction of and does his will, I really do believe that he is referring to the Mosaic Law, stating that this person is not only recognized as a person who does not sin, but he also follows the commandments, he follows the instructions that are given in the Mosaic Law concerning all the things that you are to make sure that you do, not just those things that you don't do that would be classified as sin, but also those things that you are to do, which would be classified as the will of God for you, his desire for you, that if you are going to worship him, you are going to do certain things that he has determined qualify as worship. As an example, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. People needed to go to Jerusalem because that's what God said. So that is what they will go and do, what they will do. They will go to the appointed place at the appointed time, and they will observe the Feast of Tabernacles according to the instructions that God gave in the law. But if a person does not obey the law, if they don't worship him completely and perfectly, does that mean that God will not hear him? Well, of course that is not the case. We have a lot of examples throughout the scriptures that God heard people who were not worshiping him in the way that he required them to worship him. And they were not doing all of the things that he required them to do. We have a lot of examples throughout the scriptures where it is clear that God still heard these people. He still remembered these people. He still interacted with these people. So what this man says might be self-evident to the people who are there. Maybe everyone would agree with this and no one would challenge it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that what he says is true. Now, what I want you to understand is that even though what he said is 
not true. I don't think that it is true, so I'm going to say it that way, that what he said is not true. Even though this man believes things that are not true, Jesus still healed the man. He still did. And after he was kicked out of the temple, Jesus found the man and had a conversation with him. So what I think you should see and appreciate is that this man, while he might know many things, this man, while he might have been able to identify some specific things that are definitely true, and these things separate him from the religious leaders who are believing things that are not true, that doesn't mean that this man knows it all. That doesn't mean that he understands it all. That doesn't mean that he believes God to the fullness that we would hope or that we would desire. It doesn't necessarily mean that he believes in the new covenant. We can make a lot of assumptions about the quality of a person just because a miracle has been performed, but these assumptions may not be correct. This man is just getting started. He might be well along when you consider that he was willing to stand up to the religious leaders in the way that he did, but he's still just getting started. And so in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? So Jesus finds him and just asks him, do you believe in the Son of God? And he said, well, who is he? Where is he? This man is having a conversation with Jesus, and he doesn't know that Jesus is the person who healed him. He doesn't know that Jesus is the Son of God. He doesn't know that Jesus is the Messiah. Not yet. And so in verse 37, and Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now here in verse 38, the man asserts his belief in Jesus as the Messiah. He didn't really know who Jesus was before this moment. He wasn't able to make that claim in the same way. As he is now, he now worships Jesus, and we don't have a description of what that looked like. It may very well have just been an expression of his heartfelt attitude. Perhaps he went to his knees. Maybe he raised his hands. We don't have the exact description of the expression of his flesh so that we can get an absolute definition of what it would have meant for him to worship Jesus at that moment. And I think this is a good thing, because if we did have such a description as this, there probably would be a historical description that everyone would follow a new ritual, a new definition of exactly how you are to worship Jesus in the proper way, because we have the example given to us right here. Fortunately, we do not have such an example. We do not have such a description. So we are unable to make a law for a Christian to say, this is how it must be done, or you are a sinner. 
That's the kind of thing that people would have done with a description such as that if we had one. And so we don't have a description, but he does worship Jesus. And as he said in verse 31, if anyone is a worshiper of God, in effect, in verse 38, he is declaring that he recognizes Jesus as God. So this is the beginning of a relationship between Jesus and this man. The beginning of a relationship. Now that they can see each other, they know each other, there is an expression of worship from the man who was healed. He has asserted that he believes in Jesus, but he has a long ways to go. In fact, this is the last time that we hear of this man. What happened to this man after that? We have no description in the book of Acts concerning his participation or his involvement. We don't know anything about what he did or what he believed after this event. That doesn't mean he didn't do anything, and it doesn't mean that he did not grow and mature in his faith. But my point is to show that he needed to grow. He needed to mature in his faith, and he would have a long ways to go. He is just getting started. In verse 39, and Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Again, in verse 39, And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world. He came into this world in order to declare the truth concerning the need for forgiveness. That's his judgment. His judgment is is that there is no hope outside of the grace and mercy of God. There is no hope outside of forgiveness. That was Jesus' ministry, and he did it well. He came to proclaim that the people had a need for forgiveness. And when he died on the cross, he provided forgiveness for the sins of the entire world. For judgment, he came into this world. Judgment took place, and it took place when he provided for forgiveness through the crucifixion. That those who do not see may see. Now, he is speaking abstractly. He's not talking about whether you can physically see or not. He is speaking abstractly in the sense of, do you see the truth? Or do you not see the truth? Do you believe the truth? Or do you not believe the truth? That those who do not see may see in the sense of, if you do not believe the truth, he came so that you will believe the truth. And then he says, and that those who see may be made blind. The religious leaders knew the truth. They knew the truth. They had the word of God. They had the scriptures. 
they studied the scriptures. And when they were confronted with the truth by Jesus, when he confronted them with the truth, they rejected the truth because they did not want to suffer the consequences that they would likely suffer if they believed the truth. And that is why they were made blind. Were they made blind by God in some divine way? Of course not. They were made blind by their own decision. They made a willful, voluntary decision to reject the truth. They blinded themselves. That's what they did. God confronted them with the truth, and so he made them blind in the sense that he confronted them, but it was their decision to reject the truth and not believe. So again, in verse 39, And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. And then in verse 41, Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. Now, when he said this to the Pharisees, who spoke to him in verse 40, when he says this to the Pharisees, If you were blind, you would have no sin. This is completely opposed to their belief that if a person is blind, it is because of their sin. They are in the presence of the man who was born blind, and they identified him as a sinner. So when Jesus says, if you were blind, you would have no sin, he is giving the abstract description to the people, to the Pharisees, to say, you people are totally, completely wrong. What you believe is completely false. And I'm going to use the topic of blindness and sin to make the point. As you can see, here's the man who was born blind, and I healed him. That's the meaning of what Jesus says to them, says to these Pharisees. If you were blind, you would have no sin. Whereas they taught that if you were blind, it was because you had sin. And Jesus says, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore, your sin remains. What he's telling them is because they can see the truth, because they have been confronted with the truth, and they say that they know the truth, and they say that they see Because of that, their sin remains. It's a way of saying, you people know that you have a need for forgiveness. You know that you are sinners. You know that the judgment of God would be against you. The way that Jesus explains this to them, he makes it clear to them that he is not going to have a relationship with them. He will have a relationship with this man, but he will not have a relationship with them. 
That is what he communicates to them directly when he responds to their comment. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, "Are we blind also?" He says, "We are not going to have a relationship." Now there are a lot of opportunities to extrapolate some creative doctrines from these verses. But I am not going to speak of those creative doctrines that people have come up with by looking at these verses. I think it's very important for a person to stay focused on what Jesus intended to say to these people, instead of trying to extrapolate some truths and try to identify something that our God might be trying to communicate to us today, which some people will do. I think we should be very cautious. About using the scriptures in that way, Jesus was very clear about who he was speaking to and what he wanted them to understand. It's very important to keep this in mind as you read through the scriptures to understand the intent of Jesus, the subtleties of the phrases that he uses, that they were meaningful to the people he was speaking to, and when you understand this, you will have a great appreciation. For the ministry of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening. This is the 47th program in the verse by verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in chapter nine, verses 31 through 41. I spent a little bit more time talking about verse 31 in this program to show that the man who was healed of his blindness did not necessarily have a good understanding of the truth. He seemed to have a better understanding. Of the truth of the circumstances he was in, compared with the Pharisees, but that didn't necessarily mean that he had a substantial knowledge of the truth. And he expresses this in verse 31. And in finishing the chapter, I showed that Jesus asserts that there will be two different groups of people: those who believe the truth that he conveys; those people will not be blind; and the other group are those who reject. The truth that Jesus conveys; those people will be blind from a spiritual point of view, and that their rejection of Jesus will be held against them. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box three eight three five three, Colorado Springs, Colorado eight zero nine three seven. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is livinggodministries.net.